Hey, it's the Rick Daniels Podcast. Hope your day is going well. And on the hotline, I've got one of my nice, most trusted, most funny, most interesting, and I'm, I'm, I mean, this guy is oozing with interesting in him, Tom Fisher. Welcome to the podcast, man. Oh, it's great to be here on the Rick Daniels Podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me on. That's probably the worst introduction ever, but hey, we'll just go with it, right? No, I, I like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tom and I met a few years ago in our hometown of Evansville, Indiana, just by right. accident. Uh, I, at the time, I was doing radio at a, at a college radio station. I was doing some commercial stations on the side, just trying to find my way. And I met a guy named Bob Walters, who then gave me a part-time job as a camera operator at WTBW Channel 7, which has right. changed hands a couple of times since we were together. And at the time, Tom, you were a morning producer at Channel 7, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Did a little, I did a little reporting on the weekends and uh, had some morning producing. And, and yeah, Bob Walters, great guy, and uh, enjoy, enjoyed, enjoyed the, uh, the media experience, kind of the transition to the media world. Yeah, and, you know, you and I, I think we're, I mean, you had a lot more experience at some things than I did at that point. I think that was 2003. Uh, but you and I were kind of at a crossroads at that point in our lives, deciding what direction we should go in media. And uh, I think everybody kind of goes through that. Uh, You were deciding if you wanted to stay in local TV or do something bigger and better, which obviously you've gone on to do that, just that. And I was deciding if I wanted to do TV or radio and I chose radio and went down that path and it was a long, hard path, but it's starting to work out, right? <laughs> so, right. so we're both doing well around 2003 also where people were you know where podcasting was just getting a start uh, you know uh, you know on YouTube yeah. all those things kind of in those early 2000s so there was yeah there's a lot that was happening then so you know you and I were talking the other day on the phone and you you brought up something you did prior to before we even met you, you were doing podcasting before podcasting was called podcasting right that is correct. Back in the uh, late '90s, uh, there at uh, the University of Evansville, that I, um, you know, I graduated from, um, alumni of, of, of uh, University of Evansville, we did at Harlexton Harlexton News Harlexton News Bureau there in England. Of course, in Grantham, England, there's a, a foreign working uh, news bureau. Or there was in the late '90s uh, on the uh, campus of Harlexton uh, that University of Evansville owns, and I was a student there, and we did some. Um, a project that was called the Harlexon Bureau, where we interviewed uh, people in Britain about local topics, um, covered stories, and really sent them back to the U.S. MP3. And they were they were podcasts that you could download them on demand. In fact, I think I don't remember the exact year. It was right before I got there. Uh, Princess Di passed, and and the U of E students covered that extensively. I think it was in '97. So it was um, you know it was innovative for them. Yeah, and if anybody doesn't know what WUEV is, that's one of the stations I got my start on, and Tom, you did as well. It's uh, right. It's a very community focused, multi format radio station. They they have a little bit of everything for everybody. Um, if you're looking to get your start in radio, and the University of Evansville is, is a great university as well. They're very very diverse with their with their different programs, and and of course with the radio station. It's been through some hard times. But now it's going through some great times, which is something we both love to see. 
So let's talk Absolutely. about what you're doing right now. Uh, you've got a, a blog called bourbonblog.com, which has been around for, has it been 10 years? More? Uh, maybe a little bit more because it had a documentary about bourbon uh, around uh, 2005, 2006, uh, somewhere around there, and I was blogging about it simultaneously when there really weren't many other whiskey blogs, whiskey-dedicated websites. I started one. We had a lot of social media, uh, well, a lot of say, social media. We had a lot of video content from the documentary. Social media didn't exist then. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, and then it just kept growing and, um, you know, finding that there was a real need and real interest uh, for whiskey and bourbon-based content um, in the market. Bourbon's become, bourbon and American whiskey have become the hottest spirits in the world the last uh, five, six years. Right around that time, it was really growing. And uh, the opportunity to hear uh, interviews with um, master distillers like Jimmy Russell of Wild Turkey, um, to, to be the first ever to read, uh, you know, we, we actually were the first to review Angel's Envy bourbon when it went on the market, as well mm-hmm. as many other, mar- uh, many other bourbons. And um, just really growing, growing the network and community of whiskey lovers and going to become the top online resource of bourbon whiskey. Of course, we cover a lot of other topics on there in whiskey and spirits and cocktails and tweet to around 106,000 uh, people a day about uh, what they're drinking, what they like. Yeah, and let me insert a little backstory here. Tom and I are, are both from a town called Evansville, Indiana. It's a town of, I want to say, around 170-something thousand people, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a half million in the region. They call it the tri-state area. And part of that is Western Kentucky, and I believe that some of your family, including your mom, is from that area. So yep. it, where we're from, whiskey and, and bourbon, it's a pretty big deal, even if you live on the Indiana side. So just yeah, kind of tell me how you came. Very popular, and always has been in yeah. that area, whereas probably there are some areas that, you know, it's, it's always had some interest, but it's whiskey boom or the bourbon boom, as we call it. Yeah. It's uh, it's become a lot more popular. Even international whiskeys, uh, international whiskeys like uh, Scotch, Irish, uh, Japanese, has gotten huge the last few years. Those whiskeys have really found their um, their home on a lot of home bars, yeah, uh, and back bars, whiskey bars. There's whiskey bars that are some of the top bars in uh, cities like London. There's a, a whiskey bar in, in London in a place called the Grosvenor House Hotel that I hosted a five night. Um, bourbon and American whiskey tasting at uh, last year that that's what they specialize in in London is American whiskeys and bourbons. So Tom is, I admire Tom because uh, he's one of the few people that I know that is living his dream. He, he set a goal and you're living that dream. You basically get to travel the country and drink bourbon and talk about bourbon and host events and meet interesting people. I mean, you are, living it man kind of tell me how that all got started for you and and where it's at right now what level are you at and where do you want to go from there as well that's a long (laughs) question by the way (laughs) well it's always growing i mean as you know we started the uh and i appreciate that very much rick uh very proud of all you've done too and it's exciting to see uh where media and social media and the world of news can take us because it's 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 changed a lot i mean the, the fact that uh i was able to uh, create 
a, a, a media outlet on bourbon, you know, 20 years ago, that would, would have been a lot more difficult. But the fact that we can do that, you know, for anyone who's listening, thinking about, you know, where, where can we, that the journalist or a reporter or someone that wants to um, define that next thing. I mean, you know, we started talking about bourbon and a lot of people started listening. And that's what I love doing. Uh, I love all types of flavor, all types of spirits. I do write about travel as well. But uh, to your question, um, how did it happen? I just, you know, I just kept doing it, and I didn't even realize that I was, in some ways, in some ways I set goals and uh, wanted to grow it. And in some ways, I said, let's just keep doing it. And and for the passion of it and the love of it, it it became something bigger. And even the last couple of years, um, I co-founded the first ever whiskey sommelier program. Um, there's wine sommeliers. Um, you know, that you know of, uh, that you've heard about uh, becoming a uh, certified wine sommelier, but uh, no one had ever created a whiskey sommelier program. So I got with a school in Texas called the Wizard Academy and co-founded that. And uh, it's a nonprofit. We're, we're very pleased to have graduated quite a number of um, sommeliers the last couple of years. We're going to have uh, several sessions. We're going to be having our third session of it in uh, in the fall. So people that are interested in becoming a uh, certified in that program and going through something that's really unique and different from anything else you'll ever experience in the world of spirits because it's about storytelling it's about communicating as well it's whiskeymarketing.org and you can spell whiskey with an e or without out an e uh, whiskeymarketing.org is that website so i love you know i love teaching the marketing element and the whiskey element and uh, continue to do bourbonblog.com um going to be in louisville this, this weekend i mean i'm based not too far away from louisville a lot of the time there's an event called Whiskey Live I will be covering. Um, I'm always in New Orleans every year for Tales the Cocktail. So we, we, we get around. Uh, one of the other big things I do is I host whiskey tastings for, um, for everybody, from everybody from, a, say, a private, uh, a private party. Uh, someone has a very special occasion, uh, anniversary, a birthday, all the way to corporate events and other festivals. So uh, Let's whether stop it's a right few there. people we're hosting whiskey tastings for or, or many. So there's a lot of elements to what yeah. I do. and. It, it allows me to teach, to entertain, and to um, help people understand whiskey better, so that they can enjoy what they taste on a on a on a much um, you know on a better level. It's, it's all about, and I'm always learning too. I mean, we're all always learning. How can we enjoy flavor and enjoy the, the history and the story? Let's pause right there. So you do you know whiskey and tasting events. What's the coolest one you've ever done? What's what's at the top of the list so far? That is, uh, so that's, that's quite a good question. I mean, I I like I like it when I can um, have the opportunity to travel to um, far off places yeah. and uh, showcase whiskeys and help people from that aren't from America learn about whiskey. As I was saying, I was in London this past um, November. We were actually there for Thanksgiving, and I got to meet a guy who from Sweden who had written a book about bourbon, which was really interesting and. You know, people there were really excited to hear what I had to say about bourbon, being from almost uh, the bourbon world and the bourbon capital close by. Of course, the cool thing is bourbon can be made anywhere in the U.S., so getting to places like Texas and and uh, California and, and New York where bourbon is being made in just about every state now, Yeah, it is fun to see what's happening. So I think that they're, they're all interesting in their own way. I mean, I, I've always I've always thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Um, you know, I've had the chance to... Um, 
to taste a few celebrities, especially around Derby time, on on some whiskeys and and to taste some whiskey with um, you know boys to men coming through Kentucky Derby each year. Um, Stephen Amell of uh, Arrow is um, someone who's a, a quite a whiskey fan. We've had a few sips together, and we we tweet back and forth some. Uh, there's, there's so many people who like whiskey. I mean, no matter who it is, um, that they come from all different walks of life. So the chance to meet those people and hear about what uh, they like about bourbon and whiskey, to me, is um, is a real pleasure. And um, and that's and, you know, and that's and that's the adventure of it is is to see where whiskey takes us. And the fact that people are so open to bourbon. I mean, when I got started on this early on as a media outlet. Um, you know, looking to cover different stories and looking to go to different events, people would always be very, um, they were always very open to the name Bourbon Blog and the fact that, hey, you know, we're all about Americana and spirits and, you know, good food, good flavor. So it's definitely been a good calling card, though I appreciate many other spirits. Um, there's a lot of other spirits I like um, outside of whiskey, uh, gin and, and rum and tequila. Um and I do cover those sometimes on Bourbon Blog. You know, I'm really glad that, 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 that the central heart of it is bourbon and that that is a real spirit that brings people together. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me real quick at these events. I mean, you've done, you know, I'll, I mean, I've just watched you cover a lot of events over the last probably 10 or so years. What are some of the notable celebrities you've got to work with and meet at some of these events? Well, I would have to probably think about that a little bit. You know, interestingly enough, there was a, a tweet that went out uh, last week, um, and I want to make sure I'm saying his name is Jonathan Goldsmith, the actor who played um, uh, Most Interesting Man in the World. Yeah. There was a story about how uh, Jonathan Goldsmith, who's actually, he plays the part of someone from South America, or, or I think it's Mexico. I mean, it's a Dos Equis beer commercial. He's the retired Most Interesting Man in the World. But he and President Obama had played around the golf and had gotten to meet each other. And there was, you know, bet trended for a while last week on Twitter. And just so happens that um, I interviewed him a couple of years ago and spent a little time with him. And, um, you know, he was quite an interesting man. And he's this uh, guy that has this New York accent you're not expecting because you see the commercial. <laughs> something completely different. Uh, so, you know, people like that, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's so many interesting people in the world of, in the world of whiskey business uh, distillers and uh, and bartenders and 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 the consumers as well. It's it's the business of food of whiskey is indeed one that brings a lot of good people together. Yeah, and, and uh, people that are very hospitable and that want to share their experiences. When I go to conferences, people you know they want to pour their whiskey for each other. They want you know the distillers who you know who think very highly of their own whiskey as well. They should. Um, they want to try what other people are doing and and learn from that and, and collaborate and. And you know that's that's the kind of business I enjoy. A business that um, that's welcoming, that's all encompassing, and that you know that uh, you know it's not a bad thing when you can say you know you can work work and have whiskey at the same time. Right. Obviously, responsibly. See, uh, I think uh, I've seen you run into a lot of celebrity chefs. That kind of ties in with the bourbon and whiskey industry. Who who have you met there uh, at some of those events that are you know people would know as a household name? Absolutely. Uh, I interviewed Guy Fieri a few weeks ago. I've, I've seen him over the years and, and interviewed him a number of times. Of course, he has a new restaurant, fairly new in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Bobby Flay, um, mm. Anthony Bourdain, um, 
who are some other ones I'm trying to think. Those are uh, some Anthony Bourdain ones. would be awesome. Uh, to Kat, me. Kat Cora uh, several years ago. Um, um, you know those those types of uh, you know celebrity chef names. Um, uh, Kevin Brosh from Thirsty Traveler. Um, so lots of folks, you know, and it's and again, it's one of those businesses that uh, when you're when you're in it and you you know it's it's a, it's a small world of of food and beverage, even though it seems big. There's um, small world, just like any. Like like radio, sort of. right? You got that right. <laughs> May feel big, but it's small. I mean, you know, it's yeah. like the you know the whole five degrees of separation thing, and uh, or seven or whatever. Whatever. With whiskey, I think it's maybe even fewer. Yeah. Well, uh, you and I have a lot in common, and not a lot in common. You and I are both in media. That's what we have in common. What we don't have in common right. is we have both taken two totally different paths since we first met seventeen years ago. So let's talk about a couple of things that are similar in our media careers. First of all, I mean, uh, I I don't want to speak too much for you, but I recall when you started Bourbon Blog, it was somewhat of a struggle to get it to catch on, as any new medium does. And I also struggled to kind of break into my industry there in the the mid-2000s. But what changed it for me, and I would argue is maybe what changed it for you in some way, is social media. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I think it would be uh, for for so many new whether it's a new uh, media outlet or a new product. Um, I would think social media has um, has allowed all of us to learn about what each other does um, on a level that we never could before. That's part of the reason why we you know to talk about bourbon. How how did bourbon get so popular? I mean, it was obviously it was always there uh, uh-huh. for a number of years. It struck bourbon itself struggled. In the um, '80s, some of the '90s, I mean, it was, it was there were people who purchased it, but it wasn't the most popular spirit. And then, as social media came around, as people got to explore it more, as um, as they craved something new uh, that was American, that was different, that was easy to mix with cocktails, people were finding bourbon. And I think a lot of the ways they were finding it was for through friends talking about their collections and Hey, have you ever tried this or that? And, so, I mean, I think that social media has done a lot for a lot of products, including us uh, in media, creating a, a new path, a new media outlet, a new podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt that it's um, it's something that, you know, how did how did how would I have even done this 20 years ago if I was doing it? I mean, there there have been media outlets on spirits um, and on alcohol, but they were they were fewer. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just so. Just like anything else, um, I'm I'm appreciative of the fact that uh, you know that we're living in the era we're living, you and know, that we have the access to the information <laughs> that we have, yeah. and uh, it's all about how you use it. You know, I mean, part of it was learning about how to use those social media outlets, and I'm still learning. I mean, we're all always learning how to use those to tell your story to make sure that people know what you do and that you can find the best um, the best people and the best businesses to um, to work with. It's a double-edged sword, though, I feel like, because, you know, can, can you can you remember, I mean, you got into media, specifically TV, before I did, and can you imagine trying to break into that industry without social media, how hard it was then, and now, it, you know, if you're really good at it, you can break in a lot faster than you used to, but if you're really bad at it, it hurts you nowadays, 
if you don't have any kind of presence, right? I would think so. I mean, I certainly do remember uh, doing radio long before there was, um, well, there was Internet. And there were um, what news groups and, and MySpace. <laughs> types of things, uh, which I think there still are news groups. Some of those old news groups are still remaining someplace. The yeah. people still um, have conversations on them. The dot uh, alt news radio, all those types. I, I can't remember what some of the ones I was um, connected to were. But you know, I did I did talk radio in the um, in the nineties, and and you know, I was glad to actually you know be on a radio station that had. Um, Follower that already had not followers, listeners. See, we even talk in, in social media terms now. So yes, I think that uh, that that the era certainly, um, the era we're in certainly is helping in a lot of ways. So how has that benefited you in your career specifically? Well, I think the ability to immediately find people who appreciate whiskey and bourbon and and what we're talking about, the events we go to, and the types of events we do. People find those. They're looking for the hashtag bourbon, or they just happen to see a great picture we posted with a lineup of seven or eight bourbons that we took. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in um, Beverly Hills doing a whiskey tasting, and uh, you know, people found that, and and they could immediately um, say, you know, we want to be a part of this. So they saw the pictures of the whiskeys we were going to be tasting, and they wanted it to be there. And that is um, that's how they discover and. On Twitter, we have 106,000 followers. I got into Instagram not too long ago. I think I'd, I'd spent so much of my time on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, now I'm on Instagram. At you can, you can find me at Bourbon Blog for anybody out there listening. Yeah, uh, at Bourbon Blog. Um, so I'm always you know enjoy growing my following and meeting people that are that are like minded um, there. And a part of it's about just keeping the conversation going for anybody who's doing what they do. I mean, no matter what kind of business someone has. Um, I think there was a period of time where people um, didn't think they had to have Facebook or Twitter, and, and um, I think that that time is, except for maybe the small fraction, is long gone. People, at some point over the last five, eight years, realized you know you have to you know you have to have a presence to yeah. to really. I mean, you don't have to for every business, but it's it's important to have some kind of presence. And you know, I think what's being hit home right now. Um, and this applies to any industry. It's not necessarily about how many followers you have. It that is somewhat important still, but it's all about having real quality followers who are loyal to your brand. And that's what I find is key to anything. You know, I've helped build radio station pages on Facebook and Twitter, and they don't have you know they have thousands of followers, but they're not like hundreds of thousands of followers. But those thousands of followers will follow you and stick with you loyally as long as you have something to offer them and you put out good content. So it sounds like that's what you're doing with Bourbon Blog. Well, that's always the goal. And um, tell, how do you how do you best tell your story? I think that's the other question you have to ask. I mean, how that's do you, a great How do you point. tell your story? And yeah. How do you share other stories, too? I mean, yeah. you know what? Just looking at my Twitter feed and, you know, what people – tag us and that uh, they want us to know about their story so that we can share it as well. And I think that when you can, you know, it's not just all about, as, as far as people, you know, people that have businesses or who are brands, um, you know, it's not just about telling your story. It's about how you can engage with others and their story and help them. Right. Help um, them share that. How demanding is your schedule now? I mean, I, I see you on Twitter all the time. You're in LA, you're in New York, you're in London. Yeah, how much time out of the year are you traveling right now? 
Well, it just it, it's it's a quite a bit. I, I mean, it's it, it varies uh, by the season, but I'm on the road, you know, a lot of the time uh, in those places. But of course, I'm always happy to do events uh, in in my backyard as well. I mean, I, there's 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 events that I do that are not too far away, so it's it's all over. I mean, because that's where we, the demand for uh, whiskey interest is all over. So it's you know it's it's uh, it's always nice to be home and. Um, but it's it's not, I love to travel, so um, I love to be on the road as well. So when you do radio or TV, you know it's kind of addicting. I think. Did, have you had the itch to maybe go back into TV or radio at any point? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, the good news is, uh, have I had the itch to go back into TV or radio? The good news is that uh, through what I do, what I'm interviewing, master distillers and folks in the whiskey business, then I get to do TV types of interviews, whether it's a live video on our Facebook or Twitter channels, or whether it's one that we'll upload to our YouTube channel later. Um, Occasionally, I will do podcast interviews by phone. Obviously, it's always nice to be in the studio, and I still um, visit um, some of the studios uh, like WIKY that I've been at in the past. So... I think I'm able with what I do now to have the best of both worlds. And um, I'm sure there's always a good chance that um, radio and TV and even on some other levels are are in my future. I think that that's one of those things that if you really enjoy what you do, there's always new ways that you, that you find back in those, um, those areas. Um, So, yeah, so those, so those are the things that, you know, that, you know, I like I like interviewing people. And I like uh, you know I like showing their story, and uh, if there's a breaking news story of sorts, I'll get on the phone as as you and I have always done, break and and, and yep. interview the master distiller, the who you know, the uh, personality behind that, and we can put it right on the podcast. I remember we did that uh, at WEV a couple of times. I'm I'm recalling a a story you did for me on a house explosion. And oh my gosh, yeah, yeah there was a lot of you remember that <laughs> in our past of the news that we were able to uh get right on the air. And you know, I, I have a lot of respect for um for the breaking news business and you know, yeah. a lot of um a lot of serious stories out there. I'm it, glad that a lot of my stories on in whiskey, I mean, I'm glad someone else can cover those serious stories because you know, stories the types of stories that I like covering are are uh, not always that dramatic. But again, total appreciation for the news and for my background of what um, what all that what all that taught me. Gotcha. Well, one more question: Can you remember your life fifteen years ago versus what it is right now? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I I uh, I'm even told by you know a lot of people around me I have a pretty good memory. My wife tells me, that. <laughs> 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 and I do. I mean, fortunately, I. I don't know if whiskey helps that or if there's some other uh, uh, supplements that I uh, take. That Maybe just in the genes. Yeah, I mean, um, that was um, back uh, sort of, a, you know, 15 years ago would have been back from when I moved back from England. Um, we're still doing a little bit of work there. You know, I taught in England for a while, uh, transitioning from that into um, journalism. I mean, I've, I've done radio and TV always, but I was doing some um, work. Uh, that's when I met you at... Um, Box seven, if I'm not mistaken, it was right around that area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So and now things have changed a lot. It doesn't seem like that long ago. Uh, I liked whiskey back then, too. I mean, certainly I know a lot more about it today, but I always enjoyed whiskey. Uh, and, um, you know, way, you know, even further back, I was working for a, a wine bar in England uh, back when I, um, um, post being a student, after I was a student, a place called um, Walker's Wine Bar in Grantham, England. It's no longer there, but uh, Andy Walker, uh, someone who taught me a lot about uh, spirits and, and wine, um, he's still around. I just saw him a year and a half ago or so. Um, so, you know, that was an introduction into really learning a lot of the business of whiskey and spirits and um, wines. Um, so, so a lot of this goes back, journalism, spirits, uh, a lot of this for me goes back a pretty good ways as far as what I've learned and, and what I'm doing with it. Yeah. People don't always know that. Um, and sometimes I have to remind myself. How's that? Uh, <laughs> how it all came about, right? <laughs> how's that liver holding up? You know, uh, I, I feel good. I mean, I, the, the thing is, obviously, people in the business, most people will tell you, you probably think that, you know, there's, and there is a lot of opportunity to taste. Yeah. Um, but it's something that, you know, when you're around it a lot, you know, you, you, you know obviously I'm, I'm, I'm careful um, and I encourage drinking in moderation and always, obviously, for anyone uh, to always make sure you stay, stay well hydrated and, and um Eat while you do it. Drink water. Don't drink and drive. All those things. I mean, oh, they're yeah. very important as a message for us because you know we we appreciate the flavor and we appreciate the art that goes into this. And um, but we have to be careful, obviously. And um, we all have to be careful. Whether it's someone who is a, a new drinker who's just become um, legal drinking age in their country or region, or whether it's someone who's who's been drinking for a number of years, we all have to be uh, careful and conscientious. What's your favorite? So thank, you know, we, we'd be very thankful for, uh, Sorry. you know, there's always been taxis, but obviously we're very thankful for Uber we're very, and, um, and Lyft. I mean, we're, we're thankful that all those things exist so that, you know, we can, we can go enjoy um, parties um, across towns or cities and, and just, you know, it's always about responsibility. So what is your favorite drink right now? My favorite drink? Well... Here's an answer. I'm sure you'll know. I have, I have, I've given this one before. Um, but what we like to say is uh, my favorite drink would be the one I just had, the one I'm having, or the one I'm about to have. And that's and that really is the case. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to always define. You know, I like bourbons. I like uh, rye. Um, I do like scotch. Um, I like cocktails. This week actually happens to be Negroni week. Um which is being celebrated, I believe, internationally. Um, Negroni is a cocktail that has um, Campari or a similar um, Italian um, liqueur in it, gin, and vermouth. And um, there's a lot of variations on it. Um, it's a popular uh, popular cocktail among bartenders, but it's just a great cocktail. It's not even a whiskey cocktail, but I love them. Uh, so I like Negronis a lot. I love them, as I said. Uh, you know, I love Manhattan's. Um, with whiskey, I like it really by itself around the rocks, usually neat, but I'm always up for, you know, creations that people, uh, come up with. So if there's any listeners that, um, that, you know, made a, you know, they're bartenders or they're just home bartenders and they've made a unique creation, they're always welcome to, um, get on bourbonblog.com or just reach out to me. I'm, I'm pretty easy to reach at, uh, 
Tom at bourbonblog.com. And, and I always, you know, I love hearing from people that enjoy whiskey or that want to, you know, look at contributing a cocktail or having me out for a tasting. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to hear from people that enjoy. Okay, so I'm going to ask this question again, but maybe in a different way. Uh, okay. Is there a drink that you have not tried yet that you would love to try? I'm sure there is. I would have to, <laughs> have to think about. Uh, uh, I have had the opportunity. I've had the opportunity to try some pretty rare whiskeys. Um, I would imagine that there are some. I know there are because how can you try every whiskey, right? There's just so many of them. I mean, if I took, if we started counting how many whiskeys were on the market, bourbon, scotch, otherwise, I mean, there's always a new bourbon coming up that, you know, used to be that I'd tried them all, but or a lot of them, but there's so many new ones that are coming on the market because of the rise of craft distilling, that I, there's no way I've tried them all. Um, but I bet there would be something rare out there. Some, um, my, my guess is it would be a rare scotch that I hadn't tried, hmm. um, that I'd only heard about. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of rare scotches that go on the market for, um, you know, thousands, which again, I've tried some of these, you know, upwards 50,000. There's even one that I think a couple years ago went for a couple hundred thousand dollars a bottle. Um, and I've tried some that are similar as far as what they're made up of, but I would have to, let me give that some thought. I'm going to have to see which ones I have to try. That could are, be but, something you could you know, tweet about. People have to ask themselves, I mean, this, this goes to the question of, um, you know, and again, it's an art, it's a beauty. There's, you know, there are very limited edition decanters that some of these go into. So part of what is being sold is the art, the decanter, um, the art of a scotch or a, a you know whiskey sitting for 50, 80 years. There's just not going to be much of that at all. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the rarity factor. But, you know, for people who are looking at, you know, what is something really worth, you know, you get to ask yourself what it's worth to you. I mean, there's the, the good news is for bourbon they're really good bourbons that are um, $20 a bottle. Some that are maybe even be 18. I mean, I, I bought a bottle last week that that I um, really enjoyed because we were experimenting with different bourbons uh, called Old Fitzgerald that was only $13 for the bottle in Louisville. Now, I don't know if you can find that everywhere, but out of Louisville. Um, I know it's it's out there in the market, but um, it, it, you know, it's a great product for $13 a bottle. It's obviously... Any whiskey at $13 a bottle is going to be something different than what you're going to get for at $100 or $200 a bottle. But price doesn't always indicate quality. It's, you know, it's all about what it tastes like to you. So if it, you know, you like a whiskey that's 13 or, or you know, there's whiskeys obviously that I like that are a couple hundred dollars or more a bottle, or I've tried some that, you know, that are way out there that would be way out of my price range. Um, you know, price and quality in whiskey and in spirits, don't, don't always match. I mean, it's all about what you like. So drink what you like, like what you drink, um, and just be aware that um, there's reasons why that final price tag has become what it's become. Um, a lot of it's the time that's gone into it, but it's all about the personal palate. You know, it's, it's like it's with drinking or, or food, you know, flavor is subjective. It's just like art. So um, if there's something that you like that's, um, um, that no one else likes, or that's 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 cheap and easy to get. You know, enjoy that. You know, as long as, as long as you're enjoying it, enjoy it. Vice versa, if the whiskey you like is very expensive, enjoy <laughs> it, and that's what matters.
I've got Tom Fisher on the Rick Daniels podcast. Uh, okay, let's go to our final subject, and I'll let you go because I know you got uh, many, many oh, things to do. Good. It's a pleasure to chat with you. So let's um, let's step away from bourbon and whiskey for a little bit, and let's just talk about your journey with the business you've grown on your own. You're kind of a self-made man. And let's give the young folks who might be listening who have thought about starting a media outlet or a website or a blog or social media accounts, what is your, like, in a nutshell, advice on a good plan on how they can execute this correctly and make it successful as far as starting your own website and, and media outlet for a particular product or, or industry that they want to be in? Right. Well, I think having uh, having a plan with any kind of journey is, is a good idea. And like I said, I partially had that and partially didn't when I started. <laughs> but I think having a plan or an idea of where you want to be six months, three months, um, a year down the road is, is good. Uh, coming up with, um, you know, knowing knowing what, um, you know, knowing who your, who, who's your market going to be. But, you know, don't be so stuck to that because you, when you put out your, um, your publication or your um, – you know, your story, you may find another market that you're not expecting and be aware of who that market is. You know, um, you know, be aware, learn who, who's listening and reading what you're doing so that you can, um, not so that you can necessarily market to them so that you could provide, um, the right kinds of content that are, um, important and, and interesting mm-hmm. to them. I think that no matter what, it's just all about keep, just keeping after it and just continuing to be, um, um, relentless in your pursuit and uh, just doing something consistently. I mean, that if, if people see you doing a, a blog or a um, um, you know, publication, um, content consistently, and they know to expect it, and you just keep doing it, then that's, that's what will make it a success. How long it takes you know, can vary on what you're doing. I don't think there's an exact formula. That, and there may be formulas that I'm not aware of. <laughs> I don't think there's an exact formula. I just think it's about continuing to do it, do great, do great content, and finding others that um, will be on board. You know, I mean, a lot of what I did in the beginning was, uh, you know, something that I was putting together. I didn't know how much it would grow, but you know, you know, we have uh, a lot of folks who contribute now and um, a great team, and um, you know, we appreciate your support over the years, Rick, and uh, you know, all the people that have uh, been listening to this podcast that care about bourbon and whiskey and so it's just about about doing all those things there's probably other elements that that have made what i do a success uh and they continue to make it a success as we grow that i'm not even thinking of but i think uh keeping after it great content and um and enjoying it finding a finding a topic that you um that you enjoy <laughs> i um, remember and uh i want to say 2007 we had a phone conversation. You said, hey, Rick, you've got to check out this new product. And by the way, Tom Fisher, when something new comes out, he's like, I don't know how he does it, but he's the first to know about it. I remember when Tom got me an invite for the first Gmail account. But anyways, he, he says, Rick, he says, Rick, there's this really cool, really cool product. I don't know how to describe it, but it's called Twitter. It's called Twitter, man. Right. It is It is cutting edge. You, you can you can instantly put out a status. I mean, this is going to be a new communication tool. I remember you saying that specifically to me. I, I and, and I thought, oh, Twitter, no big deal, whatever. And I actually didn't jump on Twitter till a, I'd say three or four years later. Do you remember that? And just tell me what it was like to discover a new tool like that and see where it is today. Well, thanks. I, yeah, I think I remember that conversation. I, I remember finding. Um 
I think I remember finding out about Twitter because someone from a, a you know a social media club back then, and I may have even already you know like I got a you know I think I had registered a, a, a um, an account even before I started getting serious about it. Yeah, but I was I heard about how it could be helpful, and I just started doing it. I mean, I think that's um, so much of uh, success um, is about just don't ask. Too many questions, just start doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can hold true. Now, that, that there's a lot of different ways to interpret that. You've got to know what you're doing before you drive a car, right? But, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, deal with heavy equipment. But so much of what it, it's done, don't, don't overthink things, just do them sometimes. And then, and then learn. I mean, you need to put the right elements into learning, but just do it. And, and well, gosh, if it's social media, then if there's something new out there, just try it out and see how you like it. And, and apparently it was one that... Um, because of uh, the type of engagement we were looking for in photos and, and, you know, quick snippets on what we're drinking and what do you like to drink? And, you know, here's a link. I like Twitter, um, but, you know, and there's a lot of other reasons why I like other social media formats oh, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you, you can actually go and look at what some of the old Twitter pages look like. I think there's a, a just kind of off-topic, but there's something like called the Wayback Machine or something, and you can look at how all these websites have progressed with their, um, with the way they look and the yeah. way they interact, you can look at some old versions of it and be like, this is, you know, this is really, it's come a long ways. Even Twitter still is the same concept, but it's come a long ways. But sticking to the same concept um, has helped, has helped them too. But so it's amazing who's on Twitter now and what, and what, you know, now news on, well, bigger news, what's quoted, what, um, you know, what somebody <laughs> tweets. Yeah, every the good social news is when you're quoting a tweet, you know it's going to be short. <laughs> every social media platform has its own type of content that works for it. That's one thing I've noticed right. over the years. I remember when when you and I had that conversation. I can remember that Facebook still was not a public thing that you could get. You had to have a, a like a university account, and then yeah, at some yeah, point I they opened that it up. Too. Uh, that's how I first got it. Was using a, an alumni account because you know I had a. A university account as alumni. And I think I had one from being from teaching as well. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if we really think about the origins of some of these, we've almost forgotten that. I mean, there's people probably out there that don't even know that you used to have a .edu account. Yeah, sign up for these. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot to the history of all of this that, uh, if you really think about it, when we log into Facebook every day, nobody even thinks about you know or think about Facebook long before it was a messenger. Now there's a lot of people who just want to communicate via the messenger. Um, not even email, but that used to not be a thing. You know, that yeah. used to not be the norm. Yeah, I mean, and now I have, it is because we, you know, looking at our computers, we, we all have Facebook open on your phone, whatever the case may be. I have friends and family but, that um, don't even like to text. They like to get on Facebook Messenger now. Right. Yeah. That's the truth. So, so you know, that's another thing is knowing, knowing how you're, you know, whether it's messaging or, or you know, your platform, knowing how, you know, you know who's your followers, who, who who's your readers, how do they most like to receive information? I think is you know for businesses is key um, for them to discover that. And we're all always learning. There's always things I'm learning. I think that's the other thing is keeping an open mind. Is is just always know that this is this is this is uh, progressing all at a rate that no one could ever have expected. And the, you know we never know what's next tomorrow. But for us, the good news is there'll always be whiskey tomorrow. <laughs> All right, it's the Rick Daniels podcast. I can't believe it's already been forty-five minutes. Time we've been talking that oh, long. Oh, it's, well, it's, it's goes by quick. It's fun chatting with you. 
All right, really quick, uh, it's it's what I call the free plug zone. So just plug anything and everything Tom Fisher and just tell them where they can find you, what you're all about, and how they can get involved with bourbonblog.com. Well, uh, bourbonblog.com is our main website. Uh, we do a series of tastings called Why Whiskey that are all over the country. Um, that's on, um, if, if those are coming up, which we, we're always putting new dates on Why Whiskey, Whiskey Without the E, uh, dot com. Um, Tom at bourbonblog.com is the easiest way to reach me. And um, obviously, I'm always appreciative to have people, you know, new followers, new people connecting with us at bourbonblog. Um, and that's Instagram at bourbonblog, uh, Twitter. Um, if you're looking for us on Facebook, uh, it's just forward slash bourbonblog co or just type in bourbonblog. Okay. Tom. I love you, man. I love you. I love what you've become. I love you too, man. Appreciate it. You are awesome. And everybody go check out Tom Fisher. Everything he just said, go do that. And thanks for being (laughs) on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Rick. Appreciate it, man. All right. It's the Rick Daniels Podcast. See you next time.